The Heat are headed back home to Miami, deadlocked in the NBA Finals after you know, handing Denver its first home loss of the postseason. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Sean Devaney of Heavy.com. And Sean, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Let's start with uh, Michael Malone's press, uh, postgame press conference. He immediately questioned the effort of his team. Did you think that before you heard him say that? Do you think that was accurate, or is he just trying to motivate his team moving forward? I mean, maybe a little bit of both. Um, you know, certainly the uh, the fourth quarter defensive effort was not there. I mean, you shoot, you allow 69% shooting in the fourth quarter uh, to the Miami Heat, allow them to score 36 points in that quarter. Um, you know, you you've got a reason to be mad as a coach. So, uh, yeah, I thought he I thought he had some reason that there was certainly some <clears throat> uh, some concerns behind what he was saying. Um, and, and even in game one, you know, he had said that uh, uh, he felt like they didn't play all that great uh, in game one, despite, uh, uh, you know, really dominating start to finish. Uh, they did build up that 24-point lead in game one and kind of let it slip from there. Uh, I think he was worried after game one that there'd be some carryover into game two, and I think we saw some of that, that, uh, uh, that the Nuggets uh, uh, let go of the rope a little bit and, and, and couldn't get it back, you know, once the uh, – uh, once the heat started uh, certainly making three pointers, once they started making shots. So it's 111, 108. They're down three, final possession. They got a couple timeouts remaining. Don't call one. Uh, would you have opted for a timeout at that point? And, uh, you know, they did get a, you know, a, a so called open look, but uh, probably not the look that would have been maybe the best. Yeah, it was a tough look, uh, but you know you had the ball in, in the hands of the guy who you wanted. You know, if you're trying to find a uh, three-point shot, and he almost made it. I mean, it, it kind of grabbed the front of the rim and and, and rattled off. But uh, yeah, you know, I, so many coaches will not call a timeout uh, in that situation, and I don't quite understand it uh, because you know, look, you've got uh, 82 games, you've got uh, a month of uh, uh, training camp. Uh, you know, you've got uh, six months to work out these kinds of plays and these kinds of situations. I would think you'd have, you know, something up your sleeve. <laughs> you could you could get yourself a pretty good shot rather than uh, you know trusting your best player, uh, your your best perimeter player, uh, to to go out and 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 try to force something up there. Um, you know, look, if it goes in, then it's a different discussion and nobody's questioning it. But uh, I, I always think, you know, like I say, you. you Spend all this time together. You're drawing up plays every game. You're, you, you're practicing. You, you're in film sessions. You have shooter. All that stuff should be designed uh, so that you can call a timeout in that situation and get yourself a good look. Get yourself the kind of shot that you want. Uh, so yeah, I was surprised they didn't call a timeout. I I, I, I think he probably should have. He to say in hindsight. Uh, but even if he made it, I'd still say um, you know that's a situation where I want to see a drawn up play. Were you surprised that Miami did not foul? I mean, you know, some coaches fouled you know, three up at that point of the game. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 a tough situation there too because you know you, certainly you can make a mistake and uh, and and you foul on a on a three point try. You don't want to do that, um, you know. So um, if you're if you're Eric Spolster in that situation, I'm sure he's saying we just have to uh, you know stay home defensively and 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 not do anything stupid. So. Um, I think he erred on the side of let's let's just try to not do anything stupid here. Uh, it wound up working out for him. Sean Devaney of Heavy.com curling the sports. Um, okay, so that's Denver's first home loss since March. 
oftentimes you hear it said, you know, playoff series don't start until a team loses a home game. Now you got a team that loses for the first time in the playoffs at home. So do the playoffs now start for Denver? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is uh, their – they're in an unfamiliar position, that's for sure. You know, where uh, all the series that they've been in have been 2-0, and, and so they've had uh, uh, that ability to uh, to go into uh, the opposing building with a little less pressure on themselves, uh, knowing that they don't necessarily have to win one. They did, of course, against Minnesota uh, and obviously against the Lakers, uh, but but didn't against Phoenix. You know, so um, that that's, that's something where if you're – uh, if you're the Nuggets now, you're in an unfamiliar position. The Heat are capable of losing at home. There's no question about that. And 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 Denver is still the more talented team here. So um, you know you have to feel fairly confident in their ability to get a win down there. Uh, but it is going to be uh, it is going to be a challenge that they haven't had to really deal with at this point. Miami has been in a million close games all season long. They're seven and three, according to uh, at least NBA.com. I did not fact check this, but it sounds right. Seven and three in clutch time games this postseason. Does the fact that they've been in these kind of games so often during the season and obviously the postseason, does that give them some kind of edge? Yeah, you know, I think to an extent it does. Um, you know, those. Those clutch games very often are, are require a little bit of luck, um, you know, because you're you're counting on maybe a bad call here or there, maybe a turnover here or there, you know, just something that usually breaks your way. Um, but you know, if you're the team that's not making mistakes, that's not, uh, or that is forcing the referees to make calls that you're being more aggressive, um, you know, if you if you are if you have more of a comfort zone in those games because you've done it before then you can be the team that uh, maybe is forcing your own luck a little bit. So, you know, you talk to some people and they can be skeptical about those clutch stats because, like I say, there's there's luck involved. But um, I, I, I do think that experience counts in those situations because, uh, like I say, you don't – you get in a situation where you know not to make the kinds of mistakes that are going to force the bad luck on you. You know, you can – you can have some control over that, and uh, I think having been there allows you to do that a little bit more. Jokic, 41 points, but a playoff low four assists. Uh, Denver is now 4-4 four and four this season, according to ESPN, when Jokic has 40-plus points. Eric Spolster was less than thrilled after the game when he was asked if the plan was to make Jokic a, shoot, a scorer or a shooter. Um, yeah, what, what's your take on how you should try to defend him and how the how the Heat did defend him last night? Yeah, I mean they played him pretty straight up. You know, I mean there's there's been we've seen a ton of different ways to to try to attack him, um, and and you know playing him pretty straight up really isn't one that a lot of teams have tried consistently. Um, you know, just because uh, he's such a good scorer, uh, but. When when teams have done that, uh, and when he takes you know the amount of shots of took, what twenty six shots last night when he, when he takes that many shots, it's uh, it's uh, I think twenty eight twenty eight shots last night sixteen for twenty eight you know that's that's not terrible uh, for the Heat if 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 he is taking those shots because it's it's when he's moving the ball and you're double teaming it's picking you apart on the double teams. Um, you know that's that's where he's at his most dangerous. That's where he gets the open looks for guys like Michael Porter Jr. and David Caldwell Pope. Um, you know those those guys can really thrive off the attention that he gets. 
you're playing them straight up, and, and you know, you're going to give up some points, no question, but A, you're going to make them work for it. You're going to wear them down a little bit. Uh, and then B, uh, you know, you're going to take away some of the effectiveness of those other guys. So I think that's, that's you know, San Antonio uh, back in the Tim Duncan days was, was much the same way. Teams would, would throw yeah. these double teams at, at, at Tim Duncan, but the, the, the best way to play him was always just to say, all right, if you're going to get 40, that's fine. Uh, but we're not going to let you get shots for, for Robert Ory or Bruce Bowen or, or, or whoever else. It, it, it's a similar situation with Jokic. Well, I remember San Antonio also, you know, Popovich didn't seem to really care that much when Amari Stoudemire would get like 35 or more in some of those playoff yeah. games, but they usually won those. <laughs> yes, right. And right, yeah. So they, they would use that kind of defense on other teams as well, the kind of defense that they did not want to see on Tim Duncan. Uh, they would they would they would employ that themselves for sure. Okay, Miami did play more zone last night. Do you expect that to continue moving forward? Yeah, you know, they, they've they've had some success with the zone, um, and and certainly, um, you know, when you're when you're dealing with Jokic uh, and the zone, if you can, like I say, kind of keep the attention on him one on one, and that allows the rest of the zone to function uh, much better than than if you put too much attention on Jokic. So. Yeah, you know they've they've had some success with us with the zone all all, all throughout the uh, the playoffs. Um, you know I'm I'm here in Boston. I watched them run it against the Celtics. They ran it last year against the Celtics. They ran it three years ago against the Celtics in uh, uh, in the bubble. Uh, and and you know, despite seeing it that much, you know Boston had still really struggled with the zone. So it's something where no matter how many times you see it, uh, you know it it it's not comfortable for NBA players. To to play against that, so I fully expect the uh, uh, the Heat to keep using that. Um, you know, the, the Nuggets will try to make adjustments, but it, it it is something that is inherently uncomfortable for NBA players that just don't see that much zone defense. Okay, I've got to mention Duncan Robinson here. He's in at the start of the fourth quarter for Jimmy Butler. He gives like ten points in less than two minutes. Uh, I'm amazed that he's been able to put the ball on the floor and be as effective as he has in these last two series. Yeah, uh, you know, cutting to the basket and and you know he's looked a lot different. I, I it's funny because he signed that big contract, that ninety million dollar contract years ago, uh, and then immediately tried to like become a different player, uh, and that's been frustrating for the Heat. And it's been uh, something where you know he's been out of the rotation for for, for long, long stretches of time, uh, and and really you know they've tried to trade him and they've had no takers. Uh, but it really seems like in the last couple of series here. He's gotten back to doing those other little things, uh, you know, with the ball and, and, and dribble handoffs and, and cutting to the basket. You know, all the other little things besides just being a shooter uh, that, that kind of made him successful uh, when, when, when he first started with the, with the Heat. So, um, yeah, this, this is definitely a, uh, a welcome uh, uh, change uh, in Miami that, that Duncan Robinson is playing with a little more variety in his game. He seems to have lost that after... Uh, you know, go back two years when he signed that big contract. Okay, so looking ahead, I'm a little leery to get into too many specifics here because, you know, Martin's got the migraines, migraine situation. Hero's still not playing, but, you know, what should we look forward uh, to as far as possible adjustments and things to look for in Game 3? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I do wonder about Hero and, and whether they'll put him out there. Um, you know, he can be, even at his healthiest, he can be a uh, a real uh, defensive liability, and and uh, uh, you know as Denver has shown, 
Um, you, you really can't afford to have a defensive liability against this team. I mean, they pretty much ruined D'Angelo Russell's career in that in the in the conference finals. So it's just just by uh, just just by exposing him so much, so um, yeah, that, that that's something that that, that that I would definitely look for. If if Harrow if if Harrow does play, uh, you know, does does Denver you know go right at him and really find ways to pick him apart? Uh, and then what does Denver do to, to get more movement uh, with the basketball uh, to find better looks for uh, for KCP for Aaron Gordon uh, and, uh, and and for Michael Porter Jr. Um, you know, clearly they, they don't want Jokic to have to score 40 points. That's not been a winning formula for them. So they got to find ways to, uh, uh, to make sure he's got, he's got the room to get other people involved. So does last night change your opinion of the series at all? Yeah, I mean, uh, I did not think Denver would lose at home. I really didn't. I, I just think that was going to be too much to overcome for Miami. Um, but uh, so, yeah, in that regard, yes, I still think that, that, that Denver's uh, and I've, I've probably said this uh, um, at, at every stage of the playoffs when talking about Miami, so take it with a grain of salt, Bob. But, um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I do think Denver just has uh, more talent, more up-and-down talent on that roster, so I expect that Denver uh, uh, still going to win this thing, um, you know, maybe six games, maybe seven. Talking with Sean Devaney of Heavy.com. Uh, around the NBA a little bit. You know, the Suns hire Frank Vogel. Obviously, I don't think we've talked to you since they fired Monty Williams, so what do you think of that, and what do you think of the hiring of Vogel? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange, uh, you know, it's a strange transition to go from Monty Williams to Vogel. Um, you know, Vogel has obviously had some success, but, you know, not, uh, not, not, not an earth-shaking hire by any stretch. I really thought... And, and they were close. I know there were some in the organization that really wanted him to hire Doc Rivers, which uh, that would have been interesting, um, just because Rivers is much more of a uh, of a star player kind of coach. I think would have meshed with uh, with with Kevin Durant a lot more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see you know what 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 Vogel does. Um, it also seemed like they really wanted to keep Kevin Young, and and at that point, it's kind of like, well, why don't you just make him coach? <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you if you're if you're that eager to keep him around, why not just make him coach? Uh, so yeah, you know, it was, it was an interesting situation. Um, you know, I, I when they fired Monty Williams, if you told me they were going to uh, wind up with Frank Vogel, I would have said like, well, okay, but but why? You know, I mean, why? It, it, it seems like mm-hmm. such a, a lateral. I, I, I guess it's not something that I necessarily understand in terms of uh, uh, in terms of you know where they wound up okay the Sixers uh, get Nick Nurse uh, the Bucks get Adrian Griffin what do you think of those moves yeah you know Nurse uh, and again you know if if the Suns had gone uh, from Monty Williams to Nick Nurse I would have said okay you know I mean this is this is the guy who's, uh, innovative in his offense and, and, and can probably put some different situations out there and and maybe get more out of a DeAndre Aiden if, if assuming they keep him uh, and and put the, but but you know so uh, the, the fact that he wound up in Philadelphia and then he was pretty much always going to wind up in Philadelphia get a strong relationship uh, with Daryl Morey um, so yeah that that that'll be a good situation I think for uh, for uh, for Joel Embiid and I think it'll mean that that James Harden stays put I think that that's the kind of coach um, who who can work well with James Harden so. Um, so yeah, that was a, 
uh, a pretty big hire for them. And I thought, I, thank God, Adrian Griffin finally got a job. He has been an assistant coach for 15 years. He has, a, he has uh, uh, interviewed uh, for at least 14 jobs, by my count. 14 jobs, and he's never gotten a head coaching job. Uh, you know, just a basketball lifer. He actually played in the CBA. You know, that's how uh, that's how old he is. <laughs> he was actually a player in the CBA, um, and and you know was was always like a great kind of like coach at the end of the bench, even as a player. That that seems to love having him uh, on their team. So great to see him finally get the, an opportunity, an opportunity with a team that uh, uh, that should be good. So uh, I, I'm really really happy for him. Okay, so let's put a bow on this. Yamani yeah, Williams goes to Detroit, biggest coaching contract ever. Uh, is that a good fit? Well, you know, it's funny because you, you talk to GMs and such around the league who, who kind of say, you know, this is it's going to be harder and harder to get a coach because <laughs> everybody's going to say, look, if if Monty Williams is getting uh, uh, you know eighty million bucks, then uh, uh, that's what I want. <laughs> you know, so that's uh, it was really interesting, but uh, obviously Detroit's not. Um, not not a plum job, uh, and so they had to overpay. That's how they're looking at it. We had to overpay to get a guy who can both bring along a rebuilding team and help help turn the corner into making a playoff team. You know that's something that he's done uh, certainly in New Orleans uh, and then uh, in Phoenix as well. So uh, you know I, I, he's uh, he, he was much sought after, obviously by the by, by the Pistons. I think everybody was surprised uh, by how much they had to pay him though. Sean, always good talking to you. We appreciate it. Have fun. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Bob. Sean Devaney of Evie.com. Excellent stuff from Sean as always.